Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Beers with Engineers, a group of people that believe that if it looks stupid but it works, it's not really that stupid, is it? We are the Engineering Dads and we have some interesting ideas for this week's project pitches. Sean goes over one of his current projects where he wants to play the classic game of beer pong with foam rocket launches. Patty discusses the feasibility of making your own waterproof ski gear. James looks at different ideas to keep people from parking on your lawns. If you like what you hear, some of the projects do get built, so please check out our social media, links in the description. Alright, let's get into the podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Beers with Engineers. I'm joined by my co-hosts, James and Patty. James, how are you doing today, mate? Very well, mate. As good as I can be coming to the end of the second week of lockdown. Patty, how are you, brother? I'm good, but like our, our side looks absolutely horrendous, even though I love to go out there and just stand in the rain, you know, shank, uh, Shawshank Redemption style. That'll be pretty groovy. <laughs> but yeah, besides that, it's um, besides that, very chill. It's uh, I, I felt like today was Thursday, or like it was like really early in the week. Like it's like it doesn't feel like the weekend. Was mm. there's nothing to do. No, no. Well, that's the worst bit. It's been pretty good weather with the lockdown, and the one day that you can kind of do a few things within restrictions, it's just pouring rain. So um, yeah, you can't even go out and shop these days, which is you know what probably the best thing to do for. Uh, this strain of COVID, but um, what about yourself? Yeah, kind of depressing all things around. What about yourself, Sean? How? Oh, me? How you been doing? Oh, oh I've been doing pretty well, man. Just keeping myself busy. Got like three, four projects running at the same time. Um, outside work, so yeah, just just moving along, keeping uh, preoccupied. You know what? It is so relaxing having these little things to work on and uh, building small things that. Maybe just seem a bit weird and wonderful, but to me, just it's beautiful. You know, what, what about the uh, how, how, bit of how are the ten kilo dumbbells popping along? Uh, I mean, I'm struggling with the gym with those, those ten kilo dumbbells because they're so small compared to my arms. But um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, I'm doing very well with them. Um, uh, I thought you were about to say, I was like, yeah, they're just too small. I'm just so big, bro. Like, I can't keep, like, the waist can't keep up with me, bro. Oh, honestly, like, sometimes I got to walk through doors sideways just to fit through. Honestly, I, uh, I'm becoming a I'm, I'm, a, I'm the same way with my, with my garage. Like, I need to, like, I have to go around to the back door because I just can't fit through the garage door. I I will admit, so, you've put on just easily so, 45 kilos in the first week of lockdown. You look I massive, know. my man. I know. So what are you guys it. talking about? I've had to sleep outside. I can't even go into my house at the moment. It's that <laughs> I'm locked out. I'm not in lockdown. I'm in lockout. James, uh, Jimmy, this is the difference between Patty, myself, and you. Patty and I are talking amongst like the realms of humanity. You are a monster. You're one of those uh, ancient beasts that uh, are just too big to exist. You're like Bigfoot, but it's big arms instead. No, so and I'm he's sexy. Like, he's like one of those monsters that and Hercules defeats in the montage. And very, very modest, my friend. Very modest. Very, very humble. Very humble. Call him Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. He's, he's humble. Mate, you have like a... <laughs> you have montage music every time you do an exercise session because there's someone who's filming a, um, like a movie about your life and your biceps at some point. It's, it's montage as soon as the pre-workout goes in the scoop cup. All the way till an is after gym shower. Even someone, in the shower, it's still going. Did someone say "Eye of the Tiger"? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. This is right, this is this is getting out of control. I need to, I need to, I need to put a time out on this. Okay. All right, everyone, grab you. All right, everyone, grab your beer. Who's got one? Uh, all right. I see how it is. I see how it is, boys. Uh, mate, we're, we're busy, mate. All right, we're working hard. We've got things to do. We can't always be drinking. That's quitters talk. 
Yeah, I know it's beers with engineers. That being said, uh, um, sometimes it's I think probably I th- better not to have a beer. Well, we're just lying to the audience. So I, I, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a liar. So I feel like it probably should be called beverages with engineers. If anything, bevies with engineers. Doesn't really roll so the tongue, though, does it? No, but on this note, I was I have been wanting to bring this up for a couple of weeks because I'm not going to lie, the Tui's uh, beers uh, I have for this for this podcast alone, they're kind of getting stale to me because I'm, I'm forced to drink them because I bought accidentally bought the uh, the case for one of my family members. She didn't want it, so I was like, okay, well, I guess I need to need to drink it. I mean, find excuses to drink it. It's very rare I want to drink it. <laughs> so, so let me get this straight. You bought a bad case of beer and was like, oh no, the person I bought it for doesn't want it, so I'll take them all. Exactly. <laughs> you bought it for yourself. I, I, yeah, yeah, I was, I was drunk when I bought it. Um, nah, the, what, what, I, what I wanted to suggest is do, can we possibly do, you know, if you want to do a coffee, do a coffee. If you want to do like a mocha or whatever, or if you want to, you know, have a different alcoholic beverage, like a wine or a cocktail, you know, go raid your pantry, James. You know, you've got a, a couple of the cocktails in there. Or, you know, have a wine or something like that. Or gin and tonic. You never know. Can we gin just agree tonic. on that? Making mechatronic. Exactly, exactly. But on the That'll note, be another episode for sure. Um, I think we should start moving into like some wines and whatnot. I love I love my reds and whites, so um, let's get, let's get cracking into that. I want Ro- rose with the homies. Yeah, bruh. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that one another time. Um, but let's start moving with the podcast. And um, I have a very exciting idea that I wanted to swing past you, you boys. Are you guys ready for this? Absolutely, mate. Run it Hit through. Me. Okay. Well, here's here's my plan. Right. So. Um, you boys both know the rules of beer pong, correct? What's that? <laughs> well, I'm sure Paddy does. If uh, if you're you're playing silly with me, James, Paddy, do you want to quickly explain in like 20 words or less what is beer pong? Um, in teams of t- like two or more, you need to throw a ping pong ball into cups on the other side of the table. Perfect. That's the perfect example of it. And um, with James and I, we one of our first projects that we built together, we challenge each other to play beer pong without using our hands as the launching mechanisms. And so with varying levels of success, we both built um, two designs, um, very different from each other, but we're able to play beer pong um, and we had a winner in, the, in that game. Um, I won't say who, <clears throat> but uh, it was it was a very fun challenge to see how uh, given the same problem, how two engineers would solve it. And following that, I thought, well, why can't we build something bigger? As engineers, we're not limited by the scale that some people get. So I thought, how do we make this bigger? How do we make it better? And so my thoughts was a mortar, rocket, launcher, beer pong equivalent. Thoughts. Well, firstly, I just want to say I'm still very happy with my design, even though it didn't come through clutch. Like you know, never, never built anything like that, and it did, it did, it did okay, it did okay. Um, but secondly, the the beer pong mortar, that's a sick idea, man. Um, given the fact that you can almost play that anywhere, you're not restricted to just someone's backyard or like their mm. back table area where they sit down for barbecues and whatnot. There's like well, parks you can go to. There's heaps yeah. of places. 
Well, arguably you're more restricted because you can't play it indoors or in someone's backyard. You have to play it <laughs> over a large range. But, boys, do you reckon this is an idea that we could potentially do as a group? Yeah, why not? Absolutely, and even get more people involved. Good, because I've already started building it. Have a look at this thing. So, for <laughs> those of you, I mean, all of you who won't be able to see what's on the screen right now, Sean has what looks like a massive white pole with, like, a valve in the middle of it and a rocket on the end of it and a compressed air tube going into the back. Do you Does want to explain to us how it works? Yes, and show, yes. Or maybe even show us how it works. Yeah, that's, that's, that's look, also, it doesn't look like a real rocket. It looks like a, definitely a styrofoam rocket. Yeah, so it's a foam rocket um, that I got from Big W. I modified one of their um, the little toy rockets that you can buy and is designed to shoot 20 meters in the air and attached to the end of this weird monstrosity. Um, so to kind of explain, to, to visually explain what it is, imagine there's a bike pump and it's going into... Uh, what looks like kind of a PVC pipe sealed up. Now, that PVC pipe um, then connects uh, after about maybe a foot into a solenoid valve, which is a little uh, electronic, electrical valve, which is pitches on when you put power onto it. And then after that valve is a rocket. Now, this thing is actually quite long. It's about uh, 1.2 meters, so maybe, was that four foot? Four foot, yeah, about that. Um, and... I can tell you right now, boys, it already works. Do you guys want to see it in action? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, so the thing is, I first designed it to shoot ping pong balls to kind of keep with the motif of beer pong. And I found that the seal around the ball um, wasn't holding that well. The air was going around it, and that was really affecting the range. So I, was a f I could shoot it maybe 10, 15 meters. Now... Here is the same design, but now shooting a foam rocket. You guys ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was going to take your mic out. <laughs> so for those who didn't see it, I Which shot is everybody. the rocket. Um, yeah, to everyone who's not seen this, I've now shot the rocket completely horizontally. It has then, uh, from three meters away, bounced back across the wall and come across and hit the microphone. <laughs> it's reverted back. Oh, I wish I recorded that. That was hilarious. Um, but yes, yeah, so that is my design. So um, already I've had this uh, weird success with this thing. This rocket launcher that I've, I've kind of made it shoots foam rockets, very non-lethal. Um, I just started playing with it in the backyard. So I had it for... Um, I tested it at half its rated capacity, half its rated pressure. And this thing went easily, I would say, honestly, I can't measure it, but probably 80 meters up and about 30 meters uh, in one direction laterally and then got lost in the backyard of one of my neighbors. And I still don't have the guts to go to that person and be like, hey, can I get my kid's rocket out of your backyard? So I've lost one rocket. That being said, I had two, so that's all good. Um, but yes, yeah, so this design, which I didn't have much faith in, is working well beyond what I imagined was possible with a foam rocket launcher. Uh, and so the next step is, one, build it better, bigger, uh, more stable. And then the, the next questions I'm going to ask is, where can we play this? Because this is going to look real sus. Well, my thought initially was go somewhere that has really open space and also somewhere where you can measure it. So maybe an open area with mm. like sand, for example, because we can test the range and then obviously draw along the path given there's not a lot of wind on that day. And then secondly, because it's, like I said, 
earlier, it's a lot wider and it's a very free space. People are just exercising there, riding down on body boards and whatnot. Um, so it's not like a, a, a mm. legal registered park or something. It's just kind of an open area. I think that's one of the locations. What do you, what do you reckon? I think it's probably a good idea. I think there's, there's a concern though that because I'm shooting a foam rocket, it's not going to have the same weight behind a real rocket, for example. And it's it might be affected by wind. How much does it weigh? Like, like, just, just like the oh, honestly, like, not the rocket, like the launcher, like the like what's that? What's that material you made it from? Oh, so this is um, PVC piping, which is your standard kind of plastic piping that you use for building construction, water use, and whatnot. Um, it's incredibly light. So PVC stand, PVC stands for polyvinyl chloride, long carbon chains. This stuff doesn't break down. Um, and is super, super light. So whatever design I make, it's likely to be incredibly portable so we can move it around quite easily. I'm keen to know if you can like put anything else at the end of it and shoot it like a tennis ball or like a ping pong or a volley- volleyball or a vortex or something. Mm, actually, that's not a terrible idea. I think I might run into some similar problems where uh, if it's not a perfect seal, like with the, the ping pong ball that I had before, it's not going to be able to... Um, like capture all the energy from the released air out of the cannon. Um, but that being said, it's not impossible. You just increase your pressure and make it more snug, like have a more custom-made barrel to shoot yeah. uh, the tennis ball or something. Could, could we make a variable position plug for like any size ball? Honestly, actually, yeah, for sure. Because if you make the, like the, the pipe or whatever you're shooting out... Um, just like with your 3D printer, James, and just make it so it um, screws on. We could clip on, we could have it modular so you can change it. You know, it would be actually kind of funny if you could build it for, like, parties and so you could put a can of beer down it and just shoot it across the uh, the backyard of the barbecue. Like, oi, Jimmy, beer me, bang. Or I'm just sitting in my backyard at home and then I message you because you don't live far from me and just go, oh, Sean, can you, like, swing us over a beer? You're like, yeah, no worries, bros. Give us just a sec and then out of nowhere it comes flying. Oh. Like, so Dad, funny. do you want one as well? Mom, do you want one too? Give one for the whole yeah. fam. I have a feeling that these beers are not going to be able to... Um, they'll they'll travel the distance, but they won't travel, if that makes sense. You probably won't be able to drink this highly frothy, um, <laughs> shaked-up can of beer. Uh, that being said, that's there's only talk. one way to try it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Deliveroo has... No visitors to your home? No worries. ...across the neighborhood. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Oh no! Out of milk comes flying through a window. Bang! <laughs> he he comes. Uh, he comes. Gunneru. I don't know. Terrible pun. <laughs> Gunneru artillery food service delivery. That's uh, that's a, that's a new one. But yeah, so I'm I'm thinking of doing this, and so now I'm thinking of how we play the game, right? So, um, once we have the rockets, and I'm probably going to have to build two. That way, we can have two teams versus each other, kind of like in beer pong, where you have partners and whatnot. Um, and have a range of what you reckon, like eighty, hundred meters between us. Um, what do you reckon we should use for cups? I'm thinking like buckets or like a bin of some description. To tell you the truth, like I think it's going to be if you do it like beer pong, we have six buckets. It might be kind of hard to land all six, so we should mm-hmm. probably test first how we can land it in one bucket and how easy it's going to be. Yeah. And if it's easy, then yeah, we'll expand and do six. But I'm not against just like who can get it in the bucket first, because. 80 to 100 meters, man. Like, going to be, given the wind and whatnot, a bit tricky. Yeah, true. Does, if th- the wind's really a bad it... factum... Go ahead, Pads. Oh, sorry, but does it need to be outside? 
Like, why can't it be, you know, Ooh. in like a like a basketball court or like an indoor soccer field or something like that? Yeah, well, that goes back to what I said at the start. The good thing about this is so many places to play at, like back of schools with colas and basketball courts and so many places like, you know, restricted to a house. Yeah, actually, that's like a good a point. I didn't consider it to be inside because I thought it was going to be too high. Ideally, actually, it should be done inside. That way, you're not getting that wind effect. Um does anyone know a basketball court owner that we can <laughs> ask to shoot for rockets across? Uh, I'm guessing it's probably going to be a no. If we could just hire a court, I think it should be fine. Like they don't, I don't think people that have courts really ask questions. True, true. Yeah. They might ask yeah. a few questions of like, what's this? Oh, we're doing this, this, and this. Oh, okay. That'll be them. Like, it'll be like, all right, whatever. Sorry. Sorry, Sean literally went to like a local brewery and said, can I use your beer taps to make piano noises? And the guy was like, yes. uh, sure, why not? <laughs> so I'm pretty sure we could get away with this. Yeah, this, this again, I think this is a realm of if you don't ask, you never receive. I feel like maybe if we do ask and we're probably going to get yes, we're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Um, the beer one, though, I'm, I'm sad that I never progressed that forward. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, maybe we'll just ask around and see, see what's available. But yeah, so there's a, yeah. there's a... Very nice, man. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with this one. I'm kind of excited to see how it works because it'd be a great um, engineering challenge to have a, a rocket beer pong uh, kind of game going on. But um, yeah, so we'll, we'll probably we'll actually name it. It's probably going to be a beer foam rocket, right? Or something. Maybe. But also yeah. with the uh, with the rocket, because I noticed before he was you're using a bike pump to kind of generate the, the power or the at least the, the frequency, correct? Correct. Uh, the propulsion, yeah. yeah. Pre- pressure. Does it? Whatnot, yeah. Would it go further if it was like an electric pump? Um, theoretically, no. It doesn't really matter if, what the pump is because it's the pressure in the container. Um, an electric pump would get it to the same pressure faster or give it that much. That being said, I think I could probably probably don't need it considering that like that shot that I just did where it hit a wall, bounced back almost horizontally and almost hit me. Um, that was like five pumps. That was about five percent of its actual pressure that I put into the container. What it can, what it can hold. Um, so, like, it didn't even read on the pressure gauge. That's how low it was. So, it's given me a lot of confidence that this thing probably just fucks off when you actually shoot it. Um, mm. It yeah, probably doesn't. It's need... a little bit overkill. Yeah, I think that uh, I think it might be a bit overkill if we use an electric pump. I mean, that being said, if it's a big container, like if we're shooting something much larger than this, yeah, potentially, but. Uh, realistically, I could probably build this with a smaller firing container, um, just so it can be smaller, more compact, and then we can use for other things. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm keen to see where we go from here. Sweet. I love it. I love the idea. I love the the motivation behind it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, sold. Brilliant. I'm very excited to have this go forward. Anyway, so I think I'm going to have this one done in maybe three, four weeks. So at that point, uh, if lockdown uh, lessens, uh, lifts a little bit, uh, we'll have a little game outside, gentlemen. How about that? Oh, Sounds excited. good to me, my man. I'm excited. All right. How about this? Okay, so we'll, we'll put a... We'll, I'll work on this one and, and keep people updated how I'm going. Um, how about we have a little bit of time for a question Patty had? All right, here's my question. It's, uh, it's an odd one, but actually, you know what? It's not odd. I think it's one that people may or may not know, just in life in general, because... I uh, I don't know about you boys, but I want to, I love holidays. You love holidays, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Open it. Open-ended question. I love it. Yes. Continue. 
Yeah. Um, well, guess what? The holidays to a cannibal <laughs> island. No, I'm just joking. Um, the basically like because the original plan was to go down in a couple of weeks to Jindabyne, uh, go for a ski. So in the in bef- so in doing so, I you know I, I stumbled across an Aldi of all the places, a great looking array of ski gear, very cheap. I was like, I've never owned ski gear. Might as well get it. You know, it cost me you know 150 bucks for the full set. It was a great bargain. Mm. And I and I I, I I I told you this, Sean. I told you it's like, oh man, I really wanted to like it's. Great, it's great, great product and great, you know, great style of it. But it's just really bland, very bland coloring of like, you know, just the blacks and stuff. Especially when you want run when you're on a uh, a slope, you want to be as colorful yeah, as like possible <laughs> because you because you never not 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 for that reason, but more just like it was like what if you know it's the big what if you know an avalanche happens, you know, was people see people see the the pink or like the the brighter colors. Mm, over I like the where black this is going over the black or the like the yeah. brown. Yeah, so, and I was like, oh, I want to tie-dye my snow gear, and I told you this, and you shut me down almost as soon as I said the word tie-dye. I was like, no, Patty, impossible. Like, it's waterproofed. You can't tie-dye something that's waterproofed. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that makes sense. But then I had a bit of a sleep on it. I was like, well, how the hell do you make something waterproof? Like, if we're, and also, could it be mm-hmm. unwaterproofed? But I think we'll start there of like, because you two might know this, um, how do you waterproof something? Um, I kind of want to jump in on this one. I I realize James is probably the expert on uh, the chemical background of it all. But um, so things... He does love water. He does love water. So a great example of what is waterproof and what isn't is if you've ever put like oil, like olive oil or something into water, you see it naturally kind of separates quite well. And there's a few reasons behind it. Um, so things like that are technically hydrophobic. So hydro being uh, the word for water, um, and phobic is the Greek etymology for fear or aversion to. Um, so oil is made up of these really, really long um, carbon chains, carbon atoms that are connected together and have hydrogen on the outside. And so they have this natural bond to other things which are the similar like design. So like other oils and whatnot can bond together, but oil, water does not. Um, water, however, is uh, two hydrogen atoms connected to one uh, oxygen atom. And so these things actually have a bit of a polar bond. So these things are attracted to things which have a similar kind of um, design around them. And so um, things that make waterproof are things which have these long carbon chains. So things like wax. Wax, if you put wax on your shoes like rub like just candle wax on the outside of your shoes they become completely waterproof because um it's effectively like that olive oil it is has a massive aversion to water um and so like things that are a are synthetic fibers like your polyesters sometimes and some of your plastic materials um will naturally push water away and then you can combine some natural fibers with these long carbon chain molecules or materials uh, and heat them on and make them hydrophobic completely. Um, James, do you want to jump in and explain a bit more of the the chemistry behind it? Absolutely, man. So you've you've done a great job of explaining the chemistry yourself, actually. But to 
I guess, sum it up, he talked about like polar and hydrophobic and hydrophilic. So basically, those long carbon chains, the one we're talking about, are called non-polar chains, and they like to attract other non-polar chains. Some chemicals have both polar and non-polar. Now, what I mean by polar is, as an example, something called hydrogen bonding, which is very prevalent in water. What a hydrogen bond is something that has nitrogen, fluorine, or oxygen attached to another hydrogen um, atom. So what that does is that really absorb hydrogen, and it's called something as we refer to as hydrophilic, which Sean touched on hydrophobic. Um, and a good way to remember it is hydrophobic is water-hating, and hydrophilic is water-loving. So when you have something that's water-loving, it likes to absorb, like a sponge, for example. And then you had a pretty good example of like how oil and water repels. Like Obviously, you've got other things there, like separation of density and whatnot. Um, so that's, that's the concept behind it. Um, so going back into Patty's question and trying to explain that a little bit is how do we waterproof jackets? Well, waterproofing is a little bit more complex than just your normal hydrophobic um, you know, ideologies and whatnot. So you have basically three layers in a waterproof jacket. You have like an underlayer, a middle layer, and an outer layer. And what the outer layer is, it's usually made from um, like uh, nylon, for example. And nylon in itself isn't there to, um, I guess, be the waterproof part. It's quite already water resistant in, in itself, but that's on the outer layer to repel the water. So when, when the water falls on it, um, it doesn't go, basically doesn't go through the jacket. It just kind of sits there. You then have a layer in the middle, which is generally like polyurethane or Teflon. So that's, that's, that's the membrane layer. And that is an excellent, like you, use, you can use that for wood. So you can't actually make wood water resistant because you're always going to have little cracks in the wood that absorb the water, but it's good for making it kind of repellent in a way. So that's like uses the membrane in the jacket. And what that does is fascinatingly, it repels the water and at the same time gets water vapor out. So these are the two, these are the two issues with um, waterproofing clothes. So the manufacturers describe it as millimeters of water and the millimeters of water represents how waterproof it is. And they also talk about grams. So your gram rating is how much water vapor passes through the membrane. So, and then you have an inner layer and all that inner layer is is for comfort, how comfortable the jacket is. So not really relevant to the waterproof part. So, and like you touched on before, Sean, you have different waxes you can do this with. So you can do this with beeswax, for example. That's how simple it is because it has that non-polar chain we talked about before that's really good at repelling water. And the way to do that is you bring that to a boil, ironically, with water, and you create a solution. And then you apply a few coats to it, also heat your fabric up as well, so the fabric absorbs the solution, and then bang, you have a waterproof material, and then you can spray it with some BWP, which is a waterproofing spray, and honestly, like, it won't be as good as what you get in the shops, but if you want to do your tie-dyeing, Patty, that's one way to do it. So... You do your tie-dyeing first, let it dry, and then follow that method and kind of do it iteratively or maybe we could even give it a go. I'd really actually like to take that on as a project idea now that I think about it. So that's pretty much how it works. You have your three different layers in, in a waterproof jacket and it's all about keeping vapors out and also repelling water at the same time. So you have two main principles there. And also something I want to add is okay. the, the word uh, felic of like hydrophobia, hydrophilic. Uh, philia is like the the word to love or to to bond with, and so that's why you see it in words like necrophilia or like uh, pedophilia, the the origin of the the Greek word. Um, yeah, so it's used in a variety of different places, but it is a very interesting um, etymology of it. Anyways, Patty, back to you. No, well that's okay. So 
I'm just trying to just a little bit of information to take in. So basically, it, in order to waterproof something, you need set, you need three layers of hydrofluoric something. Nah, so, correct. So your outer layers, your outer layers to stop the water from getting in. Your middle layers to prevent the water from being absorbed and to stop moist uh, water. Um, vapor from being trapped inside and your inner layer is to make it comfortable so the inner layer is already there so all you're doing is applying those honestly that outer coat you probably get away with not doing if you want to do a diy sort of thing could this be done to any material yes and also no some materials would instantly crack and rip under the pressure it needs to um form the nice bonds on the outside what what are like some examples of uh some some materials that wouldn't it wouldn't work under it's like so so like things that just can't physically be waterproof so things like cotton for example you'd probably be playing with your luck a lot there like maybe even satin okay. what do you think sean yeah it's got to be a natural bond where it can it can bind uh the material to it to make it waterproof um unless you get like this is why like ski jackets have outer shells and whatnot because the inside layer can have things bind to it and that makes it more comfortable like your cottons are much more comfortable your cashmere's uh your wools and whatnot but the outer layer is usually something that's really synthetic um which is uh which is hard to bond to that's why they have that two layer kind of um methodology um yeah it's, it's gonna if you want to make something waterproof it's gonna have to be like a cotton but it, I recommend do it to something outside because if you make the inside layer waterproof, then if you sweat, then it kind of just stays there stagnant or kind of vaporizes out on your body, which is not going to be a comfortable thing if you're skiing all day. And that's where the rating of breathable comes in. So if something is not breathable, it is low in Gs, low in grams, which means water vapor can't surpass the membrane. And that's the sweet spot there is they want to find something that doesn't absorb water but at the same time gets rid of the water um, vapor and makes it less moist okay so i think the the best the natural progression is because obviously i now know how to waterproof something can something be unwaterproofed probably not Hmm, this doesn't help me at all (laughs) um (laughs) the reason trying to build some fancy ski gear (laughs) so the The reason I I want to describe why it's not possible is because you basically have two reactions that happen with anything. One's being physical, one's chemical. This is purely chemical because bonds are attracting to each other and you're basically changing the composition of it. So to actually reverse that reaction is really hard. Alternatively, what you could do is just the reverse engineering of it. So bring it to like sort of like a heating point um, and try and scrub it off. But in doing that, you might destroy the material and you might only get parts of it off. It's like, I don't know, like back, I remember back in school, we have to do like office duties and they'd have these like sticky things on the end of folders. So when you had no office duties to do that, like, oh, can you get all the sticky tape off? And it was just impossible to rip off because of like how long it was stuck there for. So I feel like it'd be the exact same concept with this. It's like, you've just spent, you're spending so long of trying to rip these supports off. I don't think it's uh, that possible. Nope. Okay. Well, you, you don't. You can't have everything. Mm-hmm. So, oh, okay. Thanks, boys. Well, I feel like if you want to have this design, it's definitely possible. Doing it um, at home is going to be a very tough industrial challenge. It's probably going to be one cheaper and probably uh, more efficient in terms of time just to go to a manufacturer of a ski jack and go, look, 
I really want the, these three colours. I want to look like the Italian flag because they're going to be winning the uh, World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, wearing those three, um, I think that's probably going to be uh, an easier opportunity than, than probably doing it yourself. I like to put a, I like to put a, just me going to go into someone saying, hey, I like to put a dragon on the back because whales didn't make it in. <laughs> so keep, keep, oh. keep in mind, boys, that over time with any waterproof material, the waterproofing actually wears out. So like all the dirt and stuff that accumulates on the jacket actually like causes the structure to just like collapse. And if you have like a jacket for like 10, 20 years, it actually will lose its like ability to be waterproofed. So naturally it's impossible I mean, so naturally it is possible. So there could just be a workaround time. to it. Yeah, there's just something that no one's ever thought of doing, I guess. So, Patty, the, so what we're saying is you've got to wait 20 years. Um, just leave your jacket out, use it heaps until it's um, no longer waterproof. No, well, actually, let's, let's, let's double back on last episode when, when we were talking about um, time travel. Is it possible to just to have, like, to <laughs> age something? In like almost like a hydroponic uh, setup with like you know with uh, Stephen Haw- Hawking's uh, philosophy yeah. about science, is it possible just to have like this one a box where okay we could age something in twenty years like that? Well, um, you you would be the one who has to go forward in time and then find that jacket. You couldn't send the jacket forward in time. No, we put it. In, no, no, we put it in the box. No, I mean, that's the opposite. Clearly, you're not seeing. Yeah, you, you'll be doing the opposite. There. You're not seeing. Uh, you're not seeing my vision. No, no. Either. I mean, all we're saying is, if you had a time traveling box, like it, it's doing this time dilation thing where it's traveling super, super fast, and then it's it's traveling in the future uh, through the future in time. Right. The problem is. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the contents within it age, so the box stays here, yeah. but everything inside it will age a certain amount. Uh... Well, the the way you would do that, if you want something, if you want to pull the waterproofing off using time travel, you would need to be in the box. You would need the jacket to be worn for 20 years. And then you in the box after like five years would jump out and be like, oh, sweet, it's been 20 years, but only five years for myself. I think I think if you're using uh, relativity to uh, strip off the water of your jacket, you might as well just do it at, do it at home. <laughs> just <laughs> I think I think this is a bit of a jump to uh, to use a Newtonian kind of uh, advanced relativity to uh, to strip off the water of your jacket. Or alternatively, what you do is you just go to somewhere where there's heaps of mud, just dip your jacket in mud, and then it's no longer waterproof because the outer layer is going to absorb water. We're not going. Any, we're not getting anywhere with this, so might as well just just crack. <laughs> I'm sorry, Patty, but like I, I reckon we will find a solution to have colorful ski jackets on those ski hills. No, don't don't apologize, boys. You actually answered my question very well. It's just like mm. just me being an idiot, thinking, oh, what if we could actually do this, and then thinking, oh, because I'm pretty sure I watched a movie where there's like a laser beam where it just like aged something like 20 years in like a split second, and I was thinking, oh, what if there's like a box like that? Oh, the time travel box. Yeah, the time travel box, exactly. Unfortunately, we can't bring Stephen... <laughs> we can't bring Stephen Hawking back, mate. Uh, uh, R.I.P. I wish we could. Anyways, um, sorry about that one, Patty, but uh, well, I think we might move on on that. Um, James, did you have a pitch for us? <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I kind of thought of this sort of in the last couple of days. So, my dad is very, as most dads are, obsessed with their lawns. As a consequence, people keep parking on part of the lawn, which 
usually groomed, which is un- kind of understandable given it's a semi-tight street, but there's also heaps of room to park on the road, that being said. But my dad, like, really just hates people parking on the lawn. Like, he just loathes it, and there's no way we currently have to prevent it because it's, like, just random people every time. Like, they like to go for a run in that area, go to the beach and wh- whatever. So... <laughs> In light of this, I want to provision a security system with a proximity sensor that detects when cars park on the lawn and if a car is detected, a warning message is given out saying, you have 30 seconds to drive off the lawn or you will be sprayed, giving them enough time to move their car before being sprayed. Spray with what? Oh, mate, I was thinking water, but um, I'm open to your ideas here. So, if I'm rocket. <laughs> no, well, it's like a water, like spraying water on a car is basically like put, washing a dish before you put it in the dishwasher like it does nothing no no, no. so the idea is when out. like they they get out of the car and it's just like like they get sprayed with the car or they can hide but the point is move your fucking car <laughs> i reckon i reckon it should be spray paint or something like something that's like actually punishment for the car yeah, yeah well i didn't actually want to do any ideas. do any damage or anything but yeah go on sean yeah you kind of want to make it non-destructive um if you have it at a high pressure hose, if you hook that one up, so it just kind of like it's like a turret that sits on the outside of your house, and just whenever someone parks, it just starts tracking the car. It doesn't turn on, just simply tracks the car. It's like you have twenty five seconds before the turret begins to fire. I think that's a natural deterrent in itself. No one's going to want to park a car, no matter what it shoots, um, yeah. even well, if it doesn't shoot anything at all. Well, dude, what inspired me was I saw this video on um, on Facebook the other day and it was like someone riding their bike, I think it was in the States, and he went to go like steal something from someone's house and in the back of like their ute, the guy had the turret exactly like you described and it just started mm-hmm. like spraying him like heaps hard. So that was like part of the inspiration for it. But because we've been playing with like the solenoids and all that sort of stuff, I was thinking exactly what you said, connected to like a high pressure hose and then maybe even like make an app for it so you can start and stop it when you want just in case like... You know, you want to give someone yeah. a bit of period of grace. But, like, they park their car on the lawn and, and there's, like, those spark fun proximity sensors you can actually design. Um, so, if, if, if it parks within that proximity and you just set them up along the lawn, when they get out of the car, mm. they just hear, like, the ring. Because, like, like, I've been to your front of your house, Sean, and, like, you've spoken to me and gone, hey, I, like, I, I'm on holidays and I'm talking to you, if you remember when we did that a while ago. That's right. So, I know, the, the, I know the volume. I know the volume's there. So we can just make the volume of you have 30 seconds. You now have 20 oh, seconds sure. to drive off the lawn. And then... <laughs> I, think, well, yeah, well, I think he's definitely an opportunity there. It just, you have to develop software that can detect if it's a car or not. Otherwise, if someone just starts having a conversation with a neighbor and they're like, you have five seconds to remove yourself from the property <laughs> and it just starts blowing water in this poor lady walking a dog. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a... Oh. Uh, no, that's that's what I was going to say. Like, how sensitive would it be? Because what if it's, like, just someone on their bike or, you know, like, just, like, something very... Or a couple of kids just, like, playing around and it's like, oh, the ball went over there. Like, the ball's there. You have 30 seconds, five seconds, two, three. Yeah, five, so what you, what you would do in that situation, if we want to talk about, like, the way to design it and break it down, is I would have, like, a delay timer on there and a close proximity. So it wouldn't... Like, people walking their dogs and kids playing on the street is on the road, whereas this is on the grass. So, you don't have that many people walking on there. That being said, it's not impossible. So, as a fail-safe, you just have a delay timer if people are standing there for, like, a certain amount of time. Or if a car's parked there for, like, say, you know, one minute, um, then, yeah, it starts um, starts going. 
What do yeah, you I've got also something to add in terms of like recognition and whatnot. There was, did you hear about the, the the bakery in Eastern Europe that developed AI? Oh, d- no, I don't think nope. so. This is a, this is a really interesting story. So pretty much, what was happening was this bakery was producing heaps of like pastries and putting them onto a conveyor line. But every now and then, they wouldn't look right, and so this guy said, "Like, I'm going to set up a camera." I'm going to develop an AI to detect when these uh, pastries are bad or not good. And so this guy, as a fun project, or as this probably engineer, let's not put a gender on it, um, started developing a uh, an AI system that detects pastries. And so the pastries would come across the camera, they would get scanned by the camera and go, yep, that one's good, that one's bad, and move along. Anyways, the software was so advanced for this bakery they actually took like the core fundamentals out of it and now using it to detect cancer on your skin. And so it, it became just this weird project of, no, no, I'm going to get the best fucking croissants out of this bakery ever. And now it's being used to genuinely save lives. The same core fundamentals behind it. So I think that if we could potentially take this bagel idea, the, the, the cancer recognition software now, and then make it, again, not as useful to society, make it scan cars that park on your lawn. I think it's possible. I think it's absolutely uh, possible to have a device that can detect between a dog, a car, a person, um, and be like, ah, that person doesn't get sprayed, that person does. Yeah, cool. That's 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 very yeah. wholesome hearing about the bakery and the cancer story, man. Thanks for like sharing mm. that with us. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, like, what if like you, your uncle or something like that just put, decided to park there? It'd be like, oh yeah, how's it going, James? Yeah, thirty <laughs> seconds. I just want to make it. I just want to make it clear that all my uncles know my dad well, and they know that he know not to park on the lawn. Pretty funny though, because <laughs> no, I- Sean, you know, um, yeah, you would know the neighbour, but um, every time I go out the back, he's always just like, oh, make sure people aren't parking on your grass because he knows how we are or how much i don't really care about how strict my dad oh, yeah, is about I, know what you're about. I, I, I care and i don't care it's just like whatever like yeah i have a follow i have a follow-up pitch for this like it's definitely illegal the idea i have but why don't you do <laughs> i mean you know how if you go to a car park and you go there's like a little hump you have to go over before you get in there and you can't reverse because if you reverse, there's like spikes on the other side of it. Mm. Yeah. Why don't you just put spikes on the edge <laughs> of the grass? <laughs> just, just fucking. Um, yeah. Well, that's the problem. At that point, the car's broken down, and then it's gonna be stuck in your grass for a much longer time than, than just what it was before. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It's a, it's actually not legal to them to park on the grass as well. Like it's against council rules. So that's why we we kind of. Crack down on it. <laughs> Two violated laws make a right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, I- I'm not too sure if it's illegal to park on that because there are certain streets where you li- f- physically can't drive down unless the cars park in the grass and people do park in the grass. And that first, like, meter from the curb onto your property is not your property. It's owned by the council. Um, and that's why you can't put plants there. You can't put trees or anything because it's not your land. So... Theoretically, ethically, it might not be, or sorry, legally, it might be okay for them to park on your grass, even though it's your grass. Oh, mate, we've had many conversations about this with the council, and they've been very clear that they're not allowed to park there, and that it is our lawn. We've, oh, we've made that. sure of this. Yeah, that, that was my little, like, do we just have, like, a solenoid valve, a proximity sensor, we can work on that one? Um, mm. I'm really keen to do it, like, <laughs> because, like... Dad's fed up with it. He goes, there's no way I can stop this because it's different people every time. Like, it's not their fault. 
we understand why they want to park there, but I work so hard on this lawn and they drive off and you just have this big wheel like marking in the grass. And I don't I, know, dads think... understand what it's like to groom your lawn. Yeah, well, if we don't want to make it, if you don't want to make it so it's like damaging or anything, what you can do is you, um, you don't even, you can kind of use a solenoid for this, but you don't have to. There are automatic waterers uh, from like Bunnings and whatnot, and they pop out of the ground. And so as long as you put pressure into them, you'll push it out of the ground slightly and then begin spraying in one direction. So you can have these things set up to spray right onto the car from out of a meter away. Um, yep. If it's, if it's yep. there too long, if too many sensors have been triggered. I know exactly um, what you're talking about. And then um, have it, so instead of shooting water, it shirts dirty water, so it makes their cars dirty. So it's not damaging the car, but just makes it a pain to clean afterwards. So it's just, have a sign out front, please Ah. don't park here, otherwise we're going to make your car real dirty. And they'll be like, no, you won't. Like, (laughs) Nah. Maybe have a a pump hooked up to the mangroves near you. Well, mate, what I was going to say on that note is just tap into the sewer line, make make a pipe that goes near them, and then if they park, you just blast H2S, rotten egg gas, just, just... Out at them. Oh, oh no, the, no, but then they'll actually that they'll probably come back and bite you in the ass because then by you doing that, your neighbours will have a complaint about the smell. If enough time, if if it happens enough times, be like because imagine like the work, like just a bad wind and a sort of waft to <laughs> you know a house five dives, a house four five doors down or something like that. I'm just imagining, uh, just like it's like you connected to the sewer line. So now if someone parks on the lawn, there's like two. Two-inch turd comes coming out of the water pipe and gets fired at the side of this car. Slapped. <laughs> it's just stuck there. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's disgusting. Uh, yeah, well, that's what's going to happen if you connect to a sewer line. Something clunky's going to come through. It's not all liquid. It's going to be a bit of, bit of salt mm, in there, too. So, no. Uh, that's, that's not what, what would happen. I don't think. You're going to you're gonna have to do some pretty creative engineering to not shoot out turrets by accident. Yeah, I mean, like, well, the foul air ducts they have in the sewer lines now are designed so nothing goes through them. They're pretty smart designs. Yeah, fair so, enough. I mean, not even yeah, smart. Well, they're very... I was just practical. thinking if you were connecting it to your house sewer line, and so it's your your sewer <laughs> going out into someone else's oh car. Oh, my God. You bring the angry Irishman back. So if someone parks there, oh, you're about to get shut in the face. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> Move no, your car! I'll, no. I'll shit in your face! I'll shit in your face! <laughs> yeah, but um, no. Holy why, crap. Can't, why can't the Irishman just throw a Guinness at him? Oh god! A Guinness beer launcher. A Guinness. Yeah, well, that could be the the foam rocket, the, the next iteration of the foam rocket, just shoots cans of Guinness out. But uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting idea. Okay. Well, that's a good pitch. I like that one. Um, let's move on to Patty's pitch. I think you had a pitch as well, Patty. Is that correct? I did. Um, all right, it's a it's a bit of an odd idea. All right, so we all love Rubik's cubes, right? I love how you start these pitches with these really lovely open ended questions, questions, and they degrade yeah. down into something which is uh, very specific. But yes, I like Rubik's cubes. Continue. <laughs> and we all like the game. Uh, and we all like out my lovely drinking game, Snapper. Correct. Fucking love it. Okay, um, just so I can have a bit of explanation for those people that don't know, um, Snapper or Beer Die, as they call it in America or wherever you play it, is basically it's a two-on-two drinking game on a table with a cup on each corner. And the aim of the game is to throw a dice um, from your end and throw it up, throw it about six, seven feet in the air into the other person's cup. Obviously, there's rules around it. But that's kind of the aim of the game, to throw a dice into a cup. Just look up beer die 
audience? Yeah, but just all the beer dye. There's like an Instagram page, beer dye, or like, you know, Snapper Australia. It depends on whatever you want to do. Uh, look up. But basically, I was had this, I had a weird idea, a, a weird dream where I had a, like a dice that didn't have like the symbols on it where it says like, like, the, like the one symbol or two symbol where it just said the letters. Like it says like one, two, three, four, five, six, like the actual actual like a actual like number number for it on the side but then i thought what it then i started like flipping it around so i could change the different size i wanted to so i could make whatever side i wanted to a different number so my pitch is the rubik's cube dice wait wait hold on so it's one dice with one face on each side and you're like customizing which side is where basically yeah so you could like change the value of it if you wanted to really but why would you want to change the value like what's the problem that's the uh well no well i'm putting that on there because it has like this it's like basically like imagine like obviously imagine a small rubis cube that is a die shaped but just imagine it had it was like a dice where it had you know the symbols of like the one two three four five six on it Mm. And depending on what you, what you changed it to, it could change the numerical value of that side. Um, I'm not too sure because I mean, oh. even if you change the 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 position of the the number, right? It's the same chance of you rolling the die. Like it's not like it's gonna affect yeah. the actual probability of because that's the whole point of the dice is to roll it and have a probability of being one to six. Even if you change the position. The, the chance of you getting a certain number stays the same, assuming it's not weighted. All right. Well, you know what? I want to double down on this. Let's forget that part and just focus on this, like the like the ones that the elevator pitch of it, which is like the Rubik's Cube dice. Okay. So instead of having numbers, you have the color of the Rubik's Cube? Sure. Why not? <laughs> I swear. Um, do like small Rubik's Cubes that size already exist though? I don't. I, I looked up Rubik's Cube dice and I guess the what came up for me was um, a small Rubik's cube, obviously, but not one where it actually is like looks like a dice. So what I would want to do is just like have the Rubik's cube, like style, where obviously it's you know like like a nine by nine by nine on every single side, but it's tiny and it just looks like a dice. It's like painted as a dice. So would it have? One face on each side. Sorry, just clarifying. Yeah, I'll just ha- I'll have like you know look like a regular dice. So how would you be able to turn the faces? Because if you turn the faces, like the top and bottom is going to stay the same. Or if you're like turning it along the lateral, um, I guess the lateral uh, axis, the top and bottom stay the side same. You could just turn the dice around. Like that's, and that could arguably you say that. About turning it in the horizontal um, axis as well, it's it's just like turning one side, rotating it. It's going to have the exact same effect as just rotating the dice in the same lateral uh, axis, I guess. I want to be honest with you, boys. I didn't really think about this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I just wrote the. Uh, these are just one. These are like one sentence ideas I have down, mm. and I thought, you know what. This is okay. I was. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about like turning wise. I just assumed you can make 
like the tiniest cubes. Okay, so maybe for that. But obviously, obviously, if it's that small, maybe you can't. It can't be you know a nine square by nine square by nine square sort of situation. Well, it will have to be like maybe four or two. We'll go. We'll go. We'll go back a little bit then to the numbers and whatnot. So with Rubik's cubes, what you have is like a ball in the middle with like a couple of screws and washers attached into it, and they like your turning sort of. They form your turning mechanism. So if you want, you can have your number on there, and that's like your middle cube. So you can keep turning that around, but it goes then goes back to like why would you want to do that? Like, a, I mean, it's it's a cool aesthetic, guys. Don't get don't get me wrong. It looks good. It looks good. I'm not giving you shit. I'm not giving you shit. It it would look cool, but I'm just trying to think of why. Can I can I pitch to your can I pitch to your pitch here? Sure. You're invading your Shark Tank, Patty. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be the worst person on a Shark Tank. What do you think of an electronic dice? Be a bit bigger, but electronics. So, you have six LED screens, and the beautiful thing about these LED screens is they only need three volts to run. So, you could don't like use tiny batteries to run it, so you can make it compact. And you have this little chip called a Wemos D1 Mini, which runs off Arduino. Tiny. Put that in the middle, put your six LED screens around the side, cover it in perspex so it's nice and safe. I know it's expensive, but cool. And then you have some corner gaskets or something. That's like your electronic dice. Connect it to a wi because anything the Wi Fi, connect it to an app. So when you're playing Snapper, you just pull your phone out and change your numbers as you go. Yeah, but if you're playing a Snapper, you're going to have to throw this dice into a, uh, like a glass of water. Into, into water, like, yeah, basically beer or something. Yeah, into a liquid yeah. of some description. Um, and if it's going to have to be bigger, because if you're going to have batteries and screens on it, it's going to have to be fairly big. Um, you're going to have to scale up the cups to be much bigger as well. Oh, dude, Wemo- those those LED screens, like, they're not... If you have six of them, that's not actually that huge. Same with the Wemos chip. Like, you you could use the same size cup, and having that Perspex on the outside, is like, in welding it together would make it very waterproof. Hmm. I have I have certain reservations about using an electronic die just because um, like a normal die is like a centimeter by centimeter. How what's the dimensions of, of the LCD screen? Oh, hang on. I think oh, I don't have one at the top here, but it's like 168 millimeters by 64. No, that can't that can't be right. What's the 160? That's big, no, yeah. that's pixels, 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 pixels. My bad. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know the conversion from pixels to millimeters, but it's 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 tiny. I just. You guys keep chatting away, and I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, I have a feeling it's it's going to be a little little big. I mean, it's a good idea, but at that point, you might as well just have one screen, one Arduino, and it just randomly projects a number on the outside, and that way it doesn't even need to, to roll at all. To go back to my question before, are LED, are LED screens waterproof? No. no. Oh, the actual <laughs> the actual the actual screen. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. I don't think. <laughs> Basically. I don't think we could probably Basically, do it with LED screens, the way it works is you have something inside. It's like gallium aluminite, which is a metal complex. So, as soon as water gets in that, it'll just short-circuit it and won't work. But the waterproofing part comes back to just coating it, like some sort of putting perspex on the outside. Sean, you just had a really fucking good point. Why not just have one screen, and then when you throw it in the air, it just generates a random between one to six, like we did for the... um. The shotgun. Mm, like, could, could be like a small disc. You could play a beer die with a discus. Um, yeah, but then then the question is, we if we're using this for beer die, uh, you can't really use it for the, the, the throwing component. You're going to have to still use the dice. Um, are we solving more problems or are we creating more 
are we solving the problem? Are we thinking of a solution or are we creating more problems? I have a feeling though we might be making a very complex solution. Um, I thought to- I thought the original problem though was Patty saying that like how can we hack the game? Was was that the thing you were trying to say, Patty? Like make it more statistically favoured in your side? Not really. Oh, well, I just thought it'd be co- I just thought it'd be cool to have a, a Rubik's cube shaped. Oh yeah, well, forget about my idea then. <laughs> I thought it was to, like <laughs> cheat. I thought we we're trying to like find a way how you can cheat in Snapper. <laughs> and I was well, trying to solve if, it. If you want to cheat in Snapper, just put a weighted side on the opposite side of the five, so it naturally rolls five more often, and just use that die. That being said, if they use that same die on you, it's gonna backfire quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think back to the like the Rubik's cube thing then. So one number has like a more weighted washer on it and it mm. always like goes to that number and you can change that oh you can change it to anything like take the number out and like maybe put it back in like you're saying it's going to be unlucky for you but you can just move that when it's like your turn again yeah, this is like they're throwing it yeah yeah so it doesn't make it more advantage more advantageous in one person's favor which i guess is I guess kind of fair but like well, speeds the game actually, up because some people suck in this game well, one way that we could do it right <clears throat> is you could have a uh, a electronic weight inside the die that you can program so when you're throwing it naturally weighs so you'll have it uh, land on a five more often whereas when it um when the other person throws it you click flick a switch and inside the die the weight will move onto the face of the five meaning that the chance of it landing on a five is almost zero so you could never get a five when it hits when they throw it only when you throw it that's a way to electronically hack the die and make it so it's more favored for you when it lands. Hang on, can you like explain what you mean? Because electronic weight, how how do you convert energy so, to like, mass? Sorry. So no, no, it's not electronic weight. It's a, literally a weight inside the the. Like, have you ever seen really, really, really tall buildings and wonder how they stay up? I mean, I yeah, like I get the structure behind that and, and what not. In certain buildings, what they do. And this is something I thought was really interesting because they stand out so tall and wind force against them. It's the same wind force if you're like one foot tall or a hundred foot tall. But the actual surface area of the building means there's a lot more force pushing against it, like collective um, newtons of pressure. And so what they do is they have these massive like a hundred ton weights hanging from the top of the building. So what happens is when a building is blown sideways, the, the building slightly bends. However, that weight mass is not being affected by the the wind force, so it stays like it holds it straight down and then tries to uh, push against the force because it doesn't want to move. It's Newtonian's uh, what, one of his laws of um, something at rest wants to stay at rest. This thing doesn't want to move, so it will naturally try and pull the building back into shape. You can get that same principle where you have a weight that's kind of like that can rotate inside the die, and so if you have that weight like on an axis through the die and then a weight that hangs uh, against one of the faces inside. So, like, think of um, think of a bike wheel, except on the wheel is a weight that you've attached, right? Mm. Uh, think of the dice as, like, uh, 2D, looking down and on the table. Now, inside this dice is a bike wheel with a weight on one side. And so what you could do is literally turn where that weight is inside the die and so if the weight of uh, the die is say resting on the number one or in uh, closest to the one face of the die it will has a very uh, high chance of the one landing face down once it's rolled because it's um, the weight of it distribution is going to try and bring that one straight down because its weight force goes straight 
Um, right. Each however, have a motor so you could move. Yeah, so you could have a motor, you could have a little weight in there. Um, so you could actually change the chance of you um, rolling a certain number. And with beer die, rolling a five is a death sentence. So you can make it so the weight restaurants the five face on the inside. And then it'll always land face down on the five or close to. It'll almost never land five face up. It's uh, against the rules of physics. So there's a way to hack the die to be in your favor. And if it's inside a dice, it's going to be waterproof too. So you could still use it. Definitely one to add to it. I uh, yeah, Patty, I like I like the pitch. I what did you think of the kind of breakdown on that? I guess I thought it was cool. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't. I think uh, I think Snapper is uh, a sport for gentlemen, so I don't think uh, hacking the dice <laughs> would be a gentlemanly thing to do. So I'm kind of against that aspect, but I'm I'm more I'm more in favour for you know making the game a bit more exciting. And I feel like if there was a uh, like a rotating dice of like twelve, and in that pair is the dreaded like hacked dice, mm. that'll be that'll be a fun thing mm. to do because obviously if you've if you're terrible at like, the game, you'll just be absolutely obliterated. Yeah, so what we could do is we could make four of four dices to look the exact same, but one of them is kind of hacked, and you don't know which one it is, and that's always weighted okay. to five. Well, actually, since we're already talking about dices, um, or, or dice, as they say, um, or die, actually, is is a plur- what's the plural for dice, for, for, for a dice? It's die, isn't it? Yes. die, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, with your 3D printer, could you make a dice... Absolutely. Would it be like? Would it crack easily though? Absolutely not. All right. So, what if you made just like a regular dice, but the five wasn't a f- like like with like one two three four five, but instead of five, shark. It's like a symbol, like a shark or something. So it's like it's like it, it could be like a shark or you know a dragon, depending on who you could barrack for, or like a, a skull, a skull and crossbones. Nah, like I'm just gonna like, do yeah, like cool. a rude finger. Like fuck you, you just got done. <laughs> <laughs> I like you that. just I got like that idea. a few options here. Actually, if you want to hack it with a 3D printer, could you change the density of the print halfway through? Make one side more likely to land than the other. I mean, you can just design it to be Ooh. like that before before the print. You do that mm, before the print. You yeah. just make those sides thicker, and then in your, in your 3D modeling software, just make that the thicker side. Again, this is this is hacking a gentleman's game, but. Um, it would be very easy to uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we. So we would never, we would never have a gentleman's game. Yeah. However, <laughs> if we did, so the weight would have to be on the opposite side, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you wanted the fives, like if you the five and the opposite is a one, you would make the one side like a hundred percent density, and then have it like a mesh on the side of the five, and that way it's more likely to land on the one. Okay, well, um, maybe on that note, in talking about. Oh, a hacking games we might end the podcast there thank you everyone for listening to this week's beers with engineers podcast uh i have been sean we've also always been joined by my co-host james and patty hello and uh yeah make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel follow us on any of your social medias and we'll be back with more projects soon Yidiop. thank you for listening to the podcast uh we very much enjoy making these and hope you've potentially learned something along the way uh just a little uh post edit Uh, edition. It was actually a Japanese bakery, not an Eastern European one. Anyways, thanks for that.